There. Good morning. Our uh, title this morning is Gospel Freedom. And we have quite the amazing passage. Uh, we go from gospel freedom to circumcision. I got used to it. <laughs> to some dark, cutting humor uh, from Paul. As I was preparing, I remembered the movie Braveheart. And as uh, William Wallace was being executed, he screamed, Freedom! And uh, we're not talking about that kind of freedom. I remembered the U.S. Declaration of Independence, and it talks about the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, liberty being another word for freedom, and we're not talking about that kind of freedom. There were protesters in Ottawa screaming, freedom, freedom, freedom. No, it's not that kind of freedom. I did have an irrational fear as I was preparing for this uh, passage. I remembered last year when uh, Louis Bridgman uh, intervened during a communion service. There was a, a person who had opened, and then Louis presented this amazing slide on the Ark of the Covenant. And Louis has a great talent in presenting PowerPoint slides. He, he makes beautiful slides, just amazing. And you could see exactly where the mercy seat would be on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And you got the idea, and it was colorful. And, and my rational fear was that Louis would somehow slip in a slide on the screen on circumcision. And I said, Louis, Louis, don't do it. This is the family Bible hour. Don't do it. In this passage, we see Paul um, transitioning from having discussed and argued a lot about righteousness by faith and against righteousness by works and by the law. Paul had started the book saying, I have the true gospel that I got from the Lord Jesus Christ directly. And then he continued by saying, I am a true apostle chosen directly by the Lord Christ. And he went on to, to confirm this gospel with other true apostles in Jerusalem, just to make sure that he was on the right track. And then he developed all his arguments. And we get now to this passage that we're looking at this morning, that we're going to learn a few things from this morning. And in this passage, we're transitioning. We've had a lot of discussion about truth and doctrine and transitioning to some more practical application, like Len Les Muirhead will be dealing with next week in the Fruit of the Spirit, which should be a lot of fun, especially the one on self-control. Les, it's a, excellent. And this is a challenge to all of us, the self-control, the self-discipline. In any case, this passage, however, and the remaining passages in the book of Galatians do not neglect doctrine and truth. For Paul, and for us in our Christian lives, doctrine and truth are tightly intertwined with application. So the two are married together. They work together. There's, there, it's just one of the truths in our lives. This passage is divided into three sections. Firstly, gospel freedom, then running well, and thirdly, loving one another. So let's turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1.
For freedom, Christ has set us free. That sounds like a circular statement, but it isn't. What he's saying is that Christ has set us free to be free from the curse of sin and from the law. That we don't have to follow the law and be perfect in the law and following every detail that, that is stated therein. We're free from that. And we're free from the curse of sin. What is the curse of sin? The curse of sin is death. And that we can go back to the beginning of Genesis to see. So this leads us to stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. Continue to follow Christ. Continue to obey him and to be with him. Do not submit. Don't go backwards to the yoke of slavery. Jesus' yoke is easy. He said, my yoke is easy. The yoke of slavery is horrible. So don't go back to it. Stick, stay on the right track, stick with the Lord. Jesus, from personal experience, the yoke of slavery, the yoke of slavery is a very heavy yoke. And the one from Jesus is the easy one. Praise be the Lord for that. To illustrate uh, this tendency we as humans have to want to go back to our old habits and to, to that yoke of slavery, we can just look at the Exodus in the, in the Old Testament where God with amazing miracles and, and works and power had freed the Hebrews from slavery to Pharaoh and to the Egyptian. And as they were going across to the, through the wilderness to the promised land, they started to say, they were complaining and grumbling, we have no water, the water is bitter, we have no, no bread, we have no meat, and ultimately, those people in the promised land, they're way too big and strong for us to conquer, forgetting how, how God had performed miracles to, to get them through. The application for us is, stick to the Lord Jesus Christ, stick to the basics. Be with him, follow him, obey him. What has the Lord Jesus Christ told us about freedom? Let's turn to John chapter 8, verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Abiding in his word, listening to his word, following it, even teaching it. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. Jesus speaks the truth. Truth, doctrine, pretty much the same thing. They answered him. They didn't quite understand. They answered him. We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? We're already free. How can you make us free? That, that's, that's what they're saying. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Aren't we all sinners? So, in that sense, we were all slaves. So, if the the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That is, 
Believing in our Lord Jesus Christ, accepting his grace, sets us free. What does that mean? It means accepting our, our Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and asking him for forgiveness of sin. Continuing in verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole, whole law. Here, Paul is emphasizing the point. He says it twice, that you are getting no advantage if you accept circumcision, because now you've put the law first. What we're to do is to put Christ first. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from Christ. Here uh, we see part of the cutting theme in this passage, starting with circumcision. There's a cutting process. Here, you are severed from Christ, and in some translations it's, you are cut off from Christ. How can you be cut off? Because you're trying to be justified by law, by works, and that's a dead end. You've fallen away from it. You haven't accepted the, the gift that God has given us through Christ, the gift of salvation. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Wow. That, that's an amazing statement. Through the Spirit. The Spirit that's in us, that's working through us, through our spirit, through our hearts and minds, our consciences by our faith that, that we believe in him, we eagerly wait, waiting, anticipating, expectantly for the hope of righteousness. Hope of righteousness. What does that mean? Well, right now, if we have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, we are in a right relationship with the Lord, and we have been forgiven our sins. However, we still sin. Uh, we still have to go back for some forgiveness, even though we're, we're right with God. That hope of righteousness is in the future, when we shall be spending eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ, becoming more and more like Him, and actually, truly being righteous and sinless. Let's say you had a magnificent gift, and you wanted to, just imagine, and you wanted to give that gift to somebody. And that somebody kind of avoids you. Then that somebody decides to set up some rules as to how they're going to get that gift. Now, if they have to do something to earn that gift, it's not a gift anymore. It's not a grace anymore. It becomes a wage. And that's not salvation. This is similar to to what God is presenting to us as a gracious gift that is the salvation. So, how would you feel? Would you feel that that person is being loving and right with you when they're now setting up their own rules to get that gift? No, of course not. You, you, you want to feel right. You, you want a, a loving relationship. You want that to, to work out 
really well. Well, so does God, because he loves us. The challenge to you this morning is to do something for someone, expecting nothing in return, no quid pro quo. Do something for someone, expecting no return and no imp uh, not an improvement to your church career or to any other objectives you might have. Just out of the love of your heart, do something for someone as a gift and see how wonderful that is. See how wonderful that is. That's our first section. And now beginning our sec second section on running well in verse 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You were doing, doing so well. What happened? What went wrong? And back to the cutting thing. Who cut in on you as you were running? Who cut in on you to hinder you? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Persuasion, this, this notion, this idea or belief is not from the one who calls you. And who calls you? The Lord Jesus Christ calls you. This is not from him. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And that, when I first read it, seemed odd. It just seemed like it was thrown right in there. But it actually makes sense, as the following verse will show. Leaven or yeast, a little bit of it works through a whole lot of dough. So a few lies, a few false doctrines can work through a whole lot of people and corrupt a whole lot of people and ruin the truth. Jesus reminded us of that. After he fed the 4,000, he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Herodians. Beware, be careful, be very careful. He's referring to their false doctrines. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Paul is confident they're going to get back on the right track. He's encouraging them. And who stopped troubling you will bear the penalty. So he thinks there's, there's someone or maybe a couple of people that have introduced themselves into the churches and, starting to and were starting to spread false doctrine. What penalty? Well, to understand that, we have to go a little bit forward to chapter 6, verse 7 in Galatians, where Paul says, Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. And this will apply to that person. And this is a basic truth of our lives, spiritual truth, a truth of cause and effect. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? What does that mean? Well, it seems that people are accusing Paul of preaching, of being pro... Thank you, Nick. There was? There was? Yeah. Do I have to go all the way? <laughs> people are accusing Paul of being pro-circumcision. And this might have started when he had uh, Timothy circumcised in Acts chapter 6, 16.3. We, we read about it. And they did that. It was an expedient, expedient measure 
for them to be able to witness to some Jews. Otherwise, they would not have had access to them. Are we? We're, Maybe to the side here? No, still? Okay. Excellent. We'll do our best. And um, so Timothy was circumcised by Paul, and this was done to visit some Jews that they needed to get access to so they could present the gospel. And this happened, this event happened, just before they visited Phrygia and Galatia. So, some people might have heard, say, yeah, Paul wants us to get circumcised. Not so. And then Paul says, well, I'm being persecuted for being against the law. So it can't be both. I can't be pro-circumcision and against the law. It's either one or the other. And now, an amazing phrase. In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. To understand that, we can go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Romans is always good to go to when you want to understand the doctrines. It's an amazing book. Chapter 9, verse 30. And this encapsulates a lot of what we're speaking about this morning and a lot of what's spoken about in the book of Galatians. What shall we say then? that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is, a righteousness that is by faith, but that Israel, who pursued a law that will lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law? Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling bone stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. The offense of the cross, a rock of offense. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Whoever believes in Christ will not be put to shame. That's our Lord Jesus Christ, that stumbling stone, that rock of offense. And this was an offense to the Jews at the time. And that rock of offense has become the cornerstone of our faith. And now Paul displays some dark, cutting humor, some strong frustration. He says, I wish those who unsettle you would encapsulate themselves, emasculate themselves. This goes back to the cutting theme and circumcision. He's saying, if, instead of, if, if you're pro-circumcision, instead of just cutting off a little bit, cut it all off. Paul likes to use sports metaphors, and here he talks about running well, and he, he talks about running many times in many places. And as an illustration this morning, we, we can talk about golf. Let's say... Dan is on the golf course, and Dan's doing well. His game is up here. The ball's going far, and it's going straight. And then somebody comes by and says, Dan, if you just turn a little bit more that way and swing this way, your ball can go 10, 20 yards further than usual. And Dan's brain goes, 10, 20 yards more, all right. 
And he tries it, and his game goes from there and goes. He was hindered. He was hindered in his game. Someone cut in on him. His game went down because he listened to the wrong person and the wrong advice. How are we as Christians in our Christian lives to defend ourselves against that wrong advice, that those false doctrines? The way we do it is to stick to the basics. We have to know what our Bible says. We have to know what God's word says to us. We have to know what it means in our lives. We need to pray. We need to worship. Fellowship. There's a lot of wonderful people around that, that want to help, that are happy to help. Consult. Consult several. Just walk with them. Walk with God. Start with knowing the truth. Do like the Bereans did, as we read about them in, in the book Acts. Verify everything. Don't believe what I say. Take a look at what the Bible says. See if I'm saying something that matches what's in the Bible. Do what the Thessalonians were asked to do by Paul. Keep what is good. Throw out what is bad. That's our section on running well. And now, our third section on loving one another. For you were called to freedom, brother. He goes back to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for your flesh, but through love serve one another. We were set free for freedom from the curse of sin and from the law. We were not set free to sin. We were set free from sin. We are to use that freedom to express our love for one another. And how do we do that? By serving one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now we'll uh, go back to Romans again. Romans chapter 13, which will explain that to us. Romans chapter 13, starting at uh, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no one wrong, no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling of the law. It's the essence of the law. It's the spirit of the law. But we don't have to keep the law to the letter. We can keep it by being faithful, having our faith in Christ, and loving one another. The best illustration there is of how to love your neighbor and who that neighbor is, is in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10, the parable that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan. Amazing passage, just very, very instructive and, and helps us to apply what, what the 